Pamela DC is a force to be reckoned with. The Union Hall woman who grew up by the sea is a great ambassador for West Cork. Through her work with the RNLI, she has touched many families and seen both tragedy and joy at close range. Her own personal life has brought her into contact with both too, as she has become a very vocal advocate for cancer research and is now in recovery from pancreatic cancer, one of the toughest cancers to defeat. She also organises one of West Cork's most popular open water swims, the annual Union Hall Swimming Fundraiser for the RNLI. She's raised almost 100,000 for the RNLI over the past 10 years. So I'm thrilled to say that Pamela is joining me for the latest episode of the From A to C podcast here in the Southern Star studio today. So Pamela, let's start at the beginning. So tell me about your relationship with the sea. Uh, I suppose just to start on the few words you've said there, it wouldn't be just me alone has raised the 100,000 <laughs> right. plus. Um, there is a committee in place for organising the swims and doing the logistics and there is a lot of work behind the scenes takes part. Yeah. So that is all down the to team effort. Our, yeah, yeah, fundraising team in Union Hall. So it's great that we all come together. Yeah, I suppose I'm fortunate that I have been born and bred by the sea. Yeah. Um, the sea for me, I suppose, has always been therapy. And even though I wouldn't think at times that it was, I would just think, oh, look, the sea, it looks lovely. But I think, um, you know, just to sit and watch it and mm -hmm. switch off from life, basically, it has a lot of advantages to just, I think, sit, pause and look around you. And uh, so you're... You're part of the, the many DCs of Union Hall. There's quite a lot of you down there. So, I mean, when you were growing up, how much of a part in your life did, did the sea play? I suppose my dad and all his brothers would all have gone fishing. My granddad before them was, was a fisherman as well. So for us, I suppose, every day we'd have been at the sea, um, either going down to meet him when he'd come in in the evening or just playing around. We were so fortunate to have it on our doorstep. Things that, you know, if you're living in the city, I suppose you don't have that opportunity to just go. Most of our summers were spent below. There's a small little sandy beach at the side of the old pier in Union Hall. We practically would have lived there and in the Blackfield, I suppose, was where we spent most of our childhood. Um, and, you know, it's just great. You have up, you know, you go up and down the road, you meet so many people. Great community thing to spend days on the beach every day in the summer. And you're also very uh, associated with the RNLI, which is a very much associated with Union Hall as well, I think. The branch there is very strong and would be very recognisable. So tell me a little bit about how you got involved in that and why you got involved in that. I suppose I started fundraising when I was 11 years of age. <laughs> um, in the days when you did not say no to your mother. <laughs> Um, God rest her. I used to go to Glendor with her to regattas and have the biscuit in and be out collecting the days of the regatta over there and the days of the regatta in Union Hall. And then I suppose I would have done a few years like that. And then, you know, I moved away and went to college and did different bits and pieces and probably did not do as much work with them then um, until I returned back to Union Hall again and got involved in the fundraising aspect of it. So we have our branch that we have currently is there nearly 26 years and we would have taken over from Brian Crowley who lives here in Skibreen and my mum would have been the two who would have been fundraising in that area. Mm -hmm. So we set up our branch then and 
I suppose in the intervening years, we've tried to get a lifeboat for Union Hall and were unsuccessful in our applications. And unfortunately, after the tragedy of the T-Bonham in April of that year, I decided, here goes, we'll write another letter again and see where that'll take us. So wrote a letter, you know, outlining what had happened on the day and the different bits and pieces and about all the leisure activities in the harbour and, and the youth, I suppose, because they're the, for, the future and they use it most days in the summer. And like it was just serendipity because I remember my mum was buried on the Monday and on the Tuesday I got a phone call to say, yes, you are successful, you need to do um, a feasibility study on the area and you need to get a committee together and start, but the ball had started rolling mm -hmm. and unfortunately it took that tragedy to get us our station as we have it today. Yeah. And um, like, what is the importance of a branch of the Iron Light to an area like Union Hall that, you know, has such a strong tradition, not just of the sea, but I suppose fishing in particular, you know? Um, it's very important, I think. There would, I suppose we noticed um, back along, there was a gap between Cork McSherry and Baltimore. There was a gap in that area of Cork. Like, we're very fortunate to have eight lifeboat stations in Cork, but there was always that gap. And Baltimore's old boat would be an hour from Union Hall, whereas nice. the new boat, like, they're here with us in a half an hour now. Um, so you would have had that gap. And, like, Glendore Harbour is such a busy harbour, not alone just for the commercial fishing, but you also have, like, kayaking and you, the rowing clubs and... You have lots of yachts that come in and out during the summer. Um, there's like the youngsters use the beaches every day and like we kind of cover from Ross Carberry back over. So we kind of cover a big area and I suppose a lot of our call outs would be to overdue swimmers. What's an overdue swimmer, if you don't mind me asking? For, it's I, not somebody who's pregnant and about to pop, is it? No, I suppose for <laughs> swimmers who have maybe left their gear on the beach or just gone out and that they were due back at a certain time and they right. haven't come back and probably call out to be you know to events like that but thankfully most of them have made it ashore maybe not in the area they left um so that's really what the gist of our call outs really would be for union hall and do you find it's getting busier all the RLI branches are finding that because more people are getting involved in not just swimming obviously but kayaking and, you know, water sports and it's becoming a big part of tourism now. I think COVID probably changed mm -hmm. a lot of things for a lot of people. That people who used to live in these areas that probably never used the sea before. And with the 5K, you know, at the start, I think people started making the most of what we had around us. So the likes of the swimming and kayaking and paddle boarding, they have all increased tenfold. And it's great to see local people I think using the amenities we have all around us every day Do you, you look out well for me at home I look out the window at home and there's someone out rowing or kayaking you know and all during the week it's great to see has that changed you know since you were a youngster the more people using the water now you think oh like, yes apart from the fishing but I mean for for leisure yes they like for us grew up we'd never have gone sailing or gone kayaking or done any of those things it was just literally use the water for one purpose and that was for swimming yeah. we didn't use it for anything else whereas there's so many more activities on it now and it's great to see and tell me a little bit about your role in the RNLI then because you're involved in the publicity end of it really isn't it which is a very important part um as I say I'm a jack of all trades <laughs> in it. Um, 
I'm LPO, which is the Lifeboat Press Officer. So any of our call-outs or anything that happens in the station would, would basically come out through me. I'm also involved with the fundraising side of things. I haven't given that up, even though I've said I'll take kind of a step back, but I'm still there. <laughs> and also I do the shop, which is the souvenirs that you buy with the station's name on it or anything lifeboat related that I'd have uh, two bedrooms full at home of a shop, basically. <laughs> so you'd see me at the Scabreen Farmers Market on Saturdays in the summer and we just kind of do various markets and stuff throughout the year. And it's a great Christmas. way to meet people. And Christmas coming up, you often have stands at various fairs and that. Yeah. Yes, our Christmas cards are all out for yeah. sale around town and everywhere at the moment because I've distributed them all last week because usually it's when the holiday makers are around this week. They like to buy the Christmas cards and take them home if they don't have a lifeboat shop near them. So we try and have them out this week for them. Brilliant. And um, one of the roles that you have as part of that, as I mentioned, is the annual swim in Union Hall. And that is you know it's on the calendar i think of every open sea swimmer in west cork and and further afield it's been going for quite a while pamela can you tell me a little bit about it and how it got started uh i suppose we're 10 years operational in union hall this year so we're going to have a big 10th birthday also the rnli will be 200 years old the next year so we're trying to coincide an event that'll take into account the two birthdays next year that hasn't been sorted out yet um I suppose when we got the go-ahead to go operational, we decided we'd do a Sea Sunday event back in 2014. And that was our first swim that we organised in Union Hall. It was Glandor to Union Hall, and we had 67 swimmers. Mm -hmm. And that, we were thinking, was great to have that number <laughs> of huge, people huge take part. Then, yeah. And we had various other events on the day, but we found ourselves, we were kind of too stretched. We didn't have enough manpower mm. to volunteer the different stands. It all sounds great to have all these events on, but if you don't have manpower at the end of the day, you can't, you know, optimize them to the best, I suppose, really. So we kind of cut back and everything and concentrated on the swim the next year. And we went to, I think, 150, and then we went to 200, and we're at 350 now. And it's capped at 350 for, um, at the end of the day, I suppose, we're all about promoting safety and awareness of the sea. And um, like where we have the swim now, it's actually close to the pier in Union Hall, so we're very sheltered in the harbour. Um, and it's just, you know, we have to be seen to, if there is like an event of having bad weather or anything, it is up to us to make that call. And we're not going to put people's life at risk when that's what we're there for to try exactly. and help people and so we um yeah I suppose that's how the swim has well and it always sells out pretty much immediately doesn't it it's, it's a, yes we kind of start advertising the last two weeks of February to mm. say that we're selling tickets from the 1st of March normally the tickets go on sale at 6 p.m on the 1st of March because we feel that we're in ahead kind of with the rest of the swims and it's normally it's always sold out by the following day absolutely and Tell me what's involved in, in the logistics that you mentioned of something like that, because, you know, there's a lot of groups around the country who would love to organise a swim and they don't know quite what's involved. And it is a mammoth task. And you know, when you go down there to Union Hall that morning and you see so many people there working away and they all have their jobs to do. So what, what exactly are they all doing down there? I suppose at the end of the day, it takes a village to run an event. And without the support of our local community in Union Hall, we certainly would not be able to run that event. 
between, I suppose, the manpower at the station, we, like the fundraising team, probably have meetings for six months before the actual event takes place. And it's about organizing, like we can sort everything and you can have it all organized down to 99%. But it's that 1%, which is the weather. Mm. That is our main issue, I suppose. Everything else you can work around and sort out. It's just if the gods above there don't play ball with us on the day, that is um, mm. unfortunate. So we kind of start having our meetings six months beforehand. People take control of different aspects of it. And then we try and start roping in family and friends uh, to help with the registration and to help, you know, we get involved with West Cork local, the kayaking club and local kayakers in the area. So we get them on board that they will help because they are paramount in the water really on the day. We'd have the civil defence or the Kinsale Red Cross. or We've had Clonakilty Red Cross the last couple of years. Because if we've booked the civil defence and we've had to cancel due to the weather, we then need backup. So we've used those um, groups and they're great and they're volunteers all as well, like ourselves. So, you know, we'd have a lot of things in common, I suppose, with one another. The groups that help us and support us on the day are the same ethos as us with volunteering. So, so it's like good. how many people would you say would it take, you know, including all the safety people out on the water, the people at the registration and the people you know handing out um hats and water and i suppose you'd have 60 or 70 people yeah that's quite a number of people to between like you'd have the, the people we'd have on the registration desk all the kayakers we'd have in the water we also have local um men who give their ribs for the day so there's backup safety boats we'd have our own volunteers out on the water we have you know the civil defense is there their volunteers are on the water Then there's just other people, you know, out around keeping an eye on things. And traffic the, management is another. Traffic element. management. And then we have people on the beach as well for, which is the most important thing, marking everyone out as they come mm. out of the water to make sure that everyone is back in safe. Yeah. Um, so you've all them to take into place. So you'd be talking about the ones of 70 people, really. Massive operation. So, yeah. and this year was a bit of a nightmare with the weather. So had you always a backup date in mind for the second, <laughs> the second attempt? <laughs> Um, we didn't have a backup date in place this year, I suppose, but the plan for next year is that when we, normally our swim always takes place the last Sunday of July, mm. because the first two or three years we were doing it the bank holiday weekend in August, but we were asking the swimmers and there's so much activities on that weekend, it was suggested to us back then that, you know, we should take it the week before, so at least there's not a, a lot of things on that weekend. And then we had to, I suppose, mention and get involved with two ambassadors that we use that day, which is Noel Brown and Steve Redmond. Noel does the mapping out of our swim and everything. As we always say, if you have any issues with the swim, take them up with Noel. <laughs> and Steve kind of gives our little pep talk before it. And then the two of them take part in the swim. And they're great, I suppose, for people who turn up on the first day and it's their first time doing this kind of a swim. It's great to have a talk, I think, from the likes of them who you know, what they've achieved in their lives with swimming. Um, so it kind of gives them a bit of a boost taking into the water, really, I suppose. And it, it really adds to the atmosphere as well, because they're they're both great fun. And Steve always has a very funny little speech at the start to pep everyone up and get everyone in. So yeah. it's, it's a fantastic day out. But I suppose looking to the future and the likes of climate change, the weather is always going to be a factor there. So I suppose backup plans are going to be very important. 
yes uh, next few years okay. yeah well we said anyway for and like every year we learn something that we kind of think we can tweak this for next year or you know ways to improve it we kind of have a meeting after the swim and everyone gets to say what they think you know could be done better or what we should change and um everyone has a say in it and that that was one of the things that we have definitely said that for next year that we probably have two extra dates put in depending on the weather because if you look at the way the weather was in West Cork this summer most of the events at the weekends were cancelled but you could have ran a swim Tuesday Wednesday or Thursday night no bother we had beautiful weather those evenings exactly but it's just with you know life gets in the way and work <laughs> and child minding and everything else yeah. so to have it at a weekend and just it was a disaster with the weather all over West Cork yeah. we were reckoning I think there was only two swims actually went ahead on their original dates everything else was put and back. then of course the other problem was that because things got backed up quite a lot of swims ended up being on the same like a few on the same day so um that's another <laughs> you've only got so many weekends of the summer and very often they can clash The other thing I want to talk to you about, and you've been very vocal about this and you've spoken a lot about it, is the um, your, the work you've done for breakthrough cancer research and the promotion of research for cancer because you've been through pancreatic cancer yourself through the pandemic, basically. So you had a, a doubly tough pandemic than the rest of us. And can you talk to me a little bit too about, um, about your recovery and maybe the, the role of the sea and the role of where you live in that and also the fact that you, you know, you still got back up there and were, you weren't shying away from organizing things or fundraising either. So that's all been part of it. Well, while I suppose, while I was sick, I remember like my mind was always 100% able and willing for everything. But unfortunately, my body was probably 20 or 30%. I was using a walking stick up until April of 2021 to try and get around. I had so much muscle wastage I think I had lost seven and a half stone in a quick space of time so my muscles basically were gone so I needed help um based you know to do everything but my mind or working on a laptop was fine so I remember I was involved with the Union Hall Superstars as well at the time mm -hmm. and the Union Hall Swim and I was ordering stuff and sorting things out on the background lying in the hospital bed in Cork and I remember my surgeon, Adrian O'Sullivan, came in one day in the Mercy and he said, there's a swim happening down around your area, Pamela, and I'm trying to book it, he says, but there's no spaces left. And I said, I've actually just added another 50 places into it while ago. And he said, are you involved in that? I said, I am. But I said, I can do it from the bed and I don't, you know, I'm not going to be involved or help you out on the day. Even though I did go down to the pier and sat there, I couldn't do anything. Um, with a blanket over me and a jacket because I was so cold. But you know, it was a great feeling to be able to be there and to look at the you know joy of everybody taking part, even though if I wasn't physically able to do anything, um, it just, it's supposed to give me a sense of purpose, I suppose, yeah. really. And a great lift. And I mean, and now that you're in fantastic health, are you, do you go b back to the sea a lot? Do you draw inspiration from it? I mean, you spoke earlier about even just standing near it and seeing it. Like, do you find that helped you? Because an awful lot of people going through tough times in their lives don't have that facility, you know, to go somewhere beautiful and, and look at it, which can be very 
That's when fine. I was having my radiotherapy, I suppose, I the consultant in the CUH had said to me that because I had already gone through chemotherapy, my tumour hadn't shrank, they were going to go at everything aggressively. And he said my treatment was going to be really, really severe and that I should think about staying in Cork. Mm-hmm. And I said straight out, no way, because what did I want to be lying above in a bed in Cork for? listening to the traffic and the noise and everything. I said, I get up and I look out my bedroom window, I look mm-hmm. at the sea. And for me, the days when the sea is at its most powerful probably is on Gale Force 7, 8 or 9, where it's howling and just to sit back from it, I don't go near it because, you know, it's about safety of it really, but keep my distance and just sit there and look at it. I think it's just so therapeutic. There's just something about it, the way the colors, how everything changes. You know, you look at the sea one minute, it's changed within 30 seconds. It's always changing. It's never the same. And, you know, the colours, you know, some days you look at it, it's really, really turquoise. More days you look at it, it's really, really grey. But no matter what kind of a mood you're in, I think looking at it and just drawing a breath and, you know, taking in what's around you, it's just so relaxing and it's great for the mind. So it's, it's probably no surprise to the likes of you that so many people took to it over the pandemic when, you know, not just for something to do, but for a kind of a, a sense of health and well-being at a time when people were struggling, I suppose. Yes, I don't go swimming myself because I think after my treatment, I get very cold and my limbs and my you know different parts of me will get really, really cold. So I just can't tolerate that coldness. And I know everyone says, get a wetsuit and you'll be fine. But no. <laughs> get a pair of gloves. But I like <laughs> I sitting there that, yeah. and I like looking at other people, yeah. you know, doing it. And it is great for the mind. And it is I saw it so beneficial to just get out and you get that clear headspace for, you know, you go in, whether you're in it for five minutes or you're in it for 15 minutes, you will just have that time to yourself. And I think before, I suppose, COVID, none of us would have taken that time for ourselves. But now more so, I find we all make that time and if we feel we don't have time in the day we do make that time for ourselves i'm all now about having time for me and mm-hmm. i used to laugh at the youngsters about having me time <laughs> but i have me time every day now and i find for myself it's to get out go for a walk get in that fresh air i have you know i've ongoing issues after my treatment and everything i'd have a lot of digestive issues i'd have a lot of balance issues so I'm working with a physio to try and help me with that um, and now my last scans that I had there two weeks ago I have issues now with my bones which um, we thought would be a factor given that I ha- where my radiotherapy was but I was expected to be a couple of months down the line but I can feel pain in my back already so for me to get out and to just do that little bit every day for me I just find, you know, I'm switching off, I'm thinking about things, but I am thinking about what I am grateful for. And I am grateful to have this extra time to be here. Um, I was very emotional in Parky Creeve on Sunday. Um, my local club, I suppose, Castlehaven won the county final. Mm-hmm. And for me, I remember after having my Whipple surgery, they were playing Carby Rangers and my sister stayed with me in the hospital and was calling out all the scores on Twitter to me while I was and heavily medicated and drugged to the hilt in the bed um, and I just found it very emotional to stand on that pitch on Saturday and just give thanks that I was 
that I am fortunate enough to be here and to be able to see that. There's so many do not get that chance. That's why I've become vocal and got involved with Breakthrough Cancer Research, because at the end of the day, all any one of us want is more time. But research is the key to that. And, you know, they, got, they are funding research into pancreatic cancer, which is one of the seven deadliest cancers. And they fund 160 researchers across Ireland at the moment in research. So I got to go to Dublin two weeks ago and had a tour of the labs in Trinity and got to see there's a young student there studying pancreatic cancer. He is really young looking. Every time I look at him, I'm like, going, <laughs> are you old enough to be finished school? And I got to go and see his work. And, you know, he gives hours upon hours every day. But just to listen to him speak and he's so you know, gracious and enthusiastic about it. And there's a lot more people, you know, will have be able to say thanks to the likes of these young people coming up along the way for doing research and trying to get, you know, better outcomes and better outlooks for people. And so, like, when you look to the future now, Pamela, what do you see? Do you see a really busy life for you? Or are you, are you trying to give yourself enough time to slow down, In which in the past I think you never did, really? No, I suppose beforehand, I always, as my oncologist keeps saying to me, you're a person who has to learn to say no. Mm. But now I'm at the stage where I know myself, I know I have ongoing, like chronic fatigue would still be a big issue for me. I am gone back to college. I find that road up and down is really tiring. And I think only for registering with the disability services in UCC, I probably wouldn't have lasted the year there last year because tiredness every day in November until I had registered with them. And now I have access to a room, a respite room there that I can go for sleep during the day if I'm really, really tired. Mm. Some days I might go in there and have two naps in the day, mm. but I find those naps keep me going then for the rest of the evening. And I don't really do a lot of things, I suppose, at nighttime anymore. It's kind of more for me. I go to my room, I turn on music, I just switch off. I kind of listen more to myself and listen to my body and if my body says you're t you know that I'm feeling tired I listen whereas before I've tried to work through it and I know if I do that I would have two or three days then that I'm making up for that tiredness and I just can't do anything so I kind of you know know my limits now and I don't go outside them really at the moment but this is the first summer like I got diagnosed in December 2018 this has been my first summer that I have been able to do so much I've sat into the car I've gone places around Ireland that I haven't gone in years and the joke at home of course with my son is that I won't be wouldn't be doing port to port I would be doing where I wanted to go but inevitably I always ended up in either a fishing port or a harbour or <laughs> it was always at the an office <laughs> or an ally stations or yeah. just to sit there and have a cup of coffee and to listen to the birds sing and the waves and the sea crashing around me. It's just brilliant. And isn't it what we all should be doing? And you're right, we don't do it half enough. Mm -hmm. So there's a great lesson in that. So Pamela DC, thank you so much for joining me today. And absolutely wonderful to hear about your recovery and that the Union Hall swim is ready to go next summer. The last, Fingers crossed. Yeah, last, last Sunday of July again. Last Sunday of July. Thank you very much. Thanks, Pamela. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the Southern Stars from A to C podcast series. This episode was produced and presented by Southern Star editor Siobhan Cronin and edited by Dylan Mangan. This was the eighth episode focusing on sea swimming, so if you enjoyed it, please be sure to check out our other seven episodes with people like long-distance swimmer Ken O'Shea and four of the men behind the iconic fast net swim. For stories like this and more, visit southernstar.ie forward slash podcasts where you can swim through previous episodes. And be sure to pick up a copy of this Thursday's newspaper in shops across West Cork or online via subscribe.southernstar.ie. Please rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. And we'll be back again very soon. Thanks for listening.